tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. <laughs> it's almost as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I'm Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters 54 through 56. Chapter 54, Simon's POV. Simon is wandering through Baz's Downton Abbey meets Dracula's castle home and is still focused on Baz in those jeans. Uh, In Baz's bedroom, our boy explains who Nicodemus is and the whole thing with the petty twins. They can't do anything right now besides eat dinner with Baz's family. Chapter 55, Baz. Baz has mixed feelings about watching Simon squirm through the fancy dinner. (laughs) Everyone thinks Simon is there as part of some capital letters, nefarious plot. And for Baz, it is safer for his family to think this uh, while he uncovers the mystery of his mother's murder. In the library after dinner, the boys brainstorm why someone would be a vampire, and Baz reveals more by himself than he intends to. Simon, bless him, argues that vampires are alive and have souls, and it really just makes Baz want to kiss him. But also, <laughs> Baz has an epiphany. And then we get Simon's POV, because this chapter is two boys, one chapter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can leave that out if you want. <laughs> I will not leave that out. <laughs> I just uh, had to turn away so that my <laughs> my laugh wasn't just like an explosion in people's ears. Oh, wow. All right. So, Simon, uh, they are running through this fucking castle to end up at Fiona's teenage bedroom, which is as goth as you would imagine. Um, Simon and Bess flip through what is definitely a magical yearbook to find baby Eb, Nicodemus, and Fiona. Uh, They can't do anything yet, but the next day they will be off to London. Baz gives Simon a definitely haunted bedroom, and Simon is clearly like, fuck no, and ends up sleeping on the couch in Baz's room, you know, because it's familiar. (laughs) Chapter 56, Fiona. Fiona, addressing her sister in this chapter, tells Baz about Nicodemus because Baz is her favorite. Baz shows up in a ridiculously expensive suit to question her about Nicodemus, and it's a painful conversation for Fiona because of both Baz and Nicodemus's vampirism. But she tells Baz enough that he now knows Nikki hangs out at a vampire bar in London. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, so reminder, we are spoiling everything through the end of this book, but nothing from the sequels. Also reminder to please go leave us a review because it makes us happy and helps people find the podcast welcome to easy come easy go where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else you kick us off please uh i just have a few things about the uh grim pitch home I mean, just the details of the, like, fucking statues with lights on the staircase and the fact that there's fucking gargoyles everywhere. I would totally be that obnoxious tourist who'd be like, look at this ridiculous home. Let's go on a tour of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Uh, I just, it's just so. Which you could. <laughs> and I would. I definitely would be one of those tourists. Let me yeah, look at the inside of this. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> Uh, yeah everything about the way that the house is described made me very much be like oh okay and you somehow expected your child to not be made into a vampire like you set him up for this baz's parents i mean truly truly (laughs) it's all red panel walls and dark wood and shit and like i'm sure beautiful antique wallpaper and like 
what does Baz have? Like cloth hangings in his in his room, like yeah, the dream. I mean, truly, I've had cloth hangings around my bed, but they were all uh, you know push pinned into the ceiling. Not quite the same aesthetic. I mean, I would <laughs> nothing would make me happier to live in a place that had like beautiful antique wallpaper. Same. Okay, so the thing about the what is it the first line i think in this chapter where simon is like baz's house isn't a castle he doesn't think but it's near enough yeah and we do know from later that baz's house is a victorian which can can be very large but like are nowhere near castle sized and it made me remember this moment from my childhood where we were leaving like some holiday at my uncle's house and I just like offhand said something to my mom about his house being a mansion. And like to this day, I can still remember the look that she gave me because like my uncle's house legit is just like your standard like quick build subdivision ranch. It's like 2000 square feet, maybe like one floor, not fancy. And she was just like, what did you just say? But like the house that I grew up in was like 750 square feet split into two floors. So like my concept of a house was like 350 square feet. <laughs> and so I was just like, this is the biggest house that could ever exist in the world. And I just identified with Simon so hard <laughs> in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I also feel like, though, in Simon's defense, I feel like this house is, they're, they're like going up multiple staircases, and the staircase isn't anywhere near the outer walls of the house. So I'm kind of like... <laughs> I think his house is well over 2,000 square feet, yeah. probably, but like, still, I still feel like it's, you know, I wasn't like, I think my uncle's house is a castle. So I think Simon is like having the same experience, but like sized up appropriately. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it, I thought it was cute, and I was like, "Oh, I've been there, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I've been exactly there." <sighs> it is your turn. All right, I would a hundred and ten percent read the prequel that is just the trio of Eb, Fiona, and Nicodemus. Oh my God, yes! It'd be very sad, but it also would be very good. Depending on where it ended, it wouldn't wouldn't have to be said. It would be because it would be written by Rainbow Rowell, who doesn't believe in leaving your readers with their hearts still in their bodies. (laughs) (laughs) But it it could be. It could be just, you know, basically like the Marauders. I feel like there are Marauders stand-ins. And it ends just as sadly, I feel like. Comparably sad. I still feel sad about it, is I think what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. All right, let's talk about Baz eating chips in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, we all knew I was going to bring it up. But mostly just because, like, Baz, I feel like, is, like, similarly picky to me about shit like that. And so I actually just don't, didn't buy it. Like, I can imagine Baz eating chips, like, sitting on the floor next to his bed or, like, in the bathroom. But, like, in bed, he has to sleep in that bed. And so I just, like, can't get behind that as as a part of his character. I don't believe it. He, what he could be doing, because I, I think you, I, you're definitely right. What he could be doing is he could be sitting on the edge of his bed in the dark, eating chips and, like, watching Simon sleep. Even though Simon oh is like, God. when I pretend oh to God. sleep. Because I feel like that maybe makes more sense. <laughs> And that's why all the crumbs were on the floor between their beds. <laughs> it's oh, because God. he's just like sitting there looking at Simon and like eating a pack of chips. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's yep. Sounds good. <laughs> I know. <sighs> Beautiful. <laughs> I love that they're just like both observing each other in this moment like simon is faking being asleep but paying attention to what baz is doing and baz is sitting there watching simon pretending to be asleep (laughs) (laughs) little babies i know they're they're so silly it's like 
Both of you are trying so hard. It didn't have to be this way. We're so close. We're so close to it not being this way. I know, I'm so excited. Four chapters. Ugh. Uh, this is Molly off topic. Today is, I guess, Baz's canonical birthday because people have been retreating some art. And I'm like, we don't believe in this, but I did see some very cute art. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh, look, we released our Baz and Simon fucking in space sticker on Baz's birthday. Totally by accident. But how beautiful is that? Good for us. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Simon is correct about the clearly infested bedroom that Baz (laughs) offers to him. But the charmed painted nightlight dragon is like, that's pretty cool. How can I get that? I hated it. Really? Yes. It turns like it turns its face to look at you. It's too much for me. I don't know. Maybe it's cooler than I imagined. And I was just like too much in Simon's head. But like Simon hated it. And I was like, you're probably right. This is probably like way too spooky. I think combined with everything, it's too spooky. Like, creepy noise and then a glowing dragon face staring at you while you sleep. It's like, no. Yeah. You're right. Context is key. (laughs) I really love the moment where they're, like, rushing off to Fiona's room and Baz is opening the door and, like, Simon is like, you think Nico lives here? (laughs) 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 Which, I mean... (laughs) It's a huge house, apparently. I mean, and, like, the fact that Baz doesn't even be like the fuck simon he's just like no i have an idea maybe be like wow this must not be entirely unreasonable or something or baz is just too excited well like what is it he has baz has like two or three sisters right he has three sisters plus a baby he has four siblings so there's seven people living in this giant ass house with potentially multiple bedrooms and and levels, there could be like whole people secretly living, and they, <laughs> they it seems like they would never know. <laughs> it's true, and also they this this world they love locking people up in towers, and so like who knows where those towers are? Maybe Simon's like, oh, maybe this you know stricken from the book, book vampire is in a tower in Baz's house. Why yeah. not? Or a dungeon, which I'm sure they have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really struggling to understand. I feel like I had a sense of what this house was like in my mind the first time I read it until Baz was like, it's Victorian. And then I was like, now I don't know what this house is like. Because I feel like in my mind, Victorians are just like not this giant, I guess. They can... I guess I I didn't Google this, but like maybe it means something different in like UK manor homes. Because like, right, when I think about Victorian, I think of... A, like, Victorian gingerbread looking house, which... Yeah, where you, like, order your bric-a-bac piecemeal from the Sears catalog back in the day. Yeah, that are, like, all over the Midwest. <laughs> right. So... Hmm. A new thing for someone to write into us about. Yeah. I, th- I think I've just been taking Simon's description literally that this place is ginormous. Yeah, you're probably... It sounds like it. Uh, so I just have one more thing. Which is, I feel like pre-quarantine, Fiona's example about her being a dirtbag, about like her rolling joints in her PJs and eating cookies for breakfast, would definitely feel more dirtbag. But I feel like now it's kind of like, okay, yeah. Like, (laughs) I feel like half of us are doing the exact same thing. So like, you should be doing fine, Fiona. I don't know what you're worried about. For real. (sighs) She also is like... I feel like it's been forever since we've talked about this, but, you know, she's clearly just living off of magic. Like, Fiona doesn't have a job, and I feel like she's kind of the only one who's really, like, doing being magic correctly. I mean, she's not bringing, she's not experiencing joy, so not, like, fully correctly. She doesn't seem like she's doing whatever her passion is, because she doesn't know what it is. But she's like, I don't need money. I'm magic. So, like... I'm just going to be on whatever my, like, default circadian rhythm is and, like, do what I want. And I'm like, yeah, do what you want. I mean, it sounds it sounds kind of great. I mean, I also feel biased because I just love Fiona so much. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. But I'm like, ah. I feel like if I wasn't married, this would be what my life would be like. <laughs> 
mean, I'd have a job, but like, <laughs> I would just be eating cookies for breakfast. I feel like this is the kind of thing that's like dreamy for like a week. And then you're like, why do I feel awful? <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, my body really doesn't want me to like eat cookies for breakfast and like get high the first thing when I wake up in the morning. Yeah, I spent I spent a lot of my depressed 20-something years. I mean, not quite living a similar life because I didn't smoke that much weed back then, but laying in bed eating pasta, <laughs> like watching TV. <laughs> like... Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, my last one is also about Fiona. I just, it's just that I really love the like second to last line of her chapter where she asks Baz if he's met a bloke and it says... He smiles and he's made out of trouble. We should have dropped him in the Thames in a bag of stones. We should have left him out for the fairies. And uh, I just fucking love it. No, it is. Those lines are so good. And it's just like, it's so, it's so perfect. And it's such a Fiona thing to think. And it's just like, they're, they're just perfect. Those are, those are great. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. <laughs> Look I, at you. I just have so, I have so many heart eyes about Fiona's fucking yearbook. <laughs> oh and my like, God, I know. And just, you know, she has all these like photos and I'm just like. She called him Nichols. I that's so cute it's so cute i like literally can't i also feel like and i and this has not occurred to me until this chapter that maybe a little bit about why i mean obviously i think it I mean if you had to make it sound like she would have been ride or die for baths regardless but i think the fact that from what we know of nicodemus he has a little bit of a similar vibe that Baz does. And it makes me wonder if like, that's also, you know, some of where her sort of like uh, exasperated affection for Baz comes from. Mm. Is this like, he like maybe a little bit reminds him of, of Nikki. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense for sure. She's great. Oh my God. I know. (laughs) (laughs) She's, I know she's like a bad guy, sort of. I mean, she's, like, done a lot of really fucked up shit, but this chapter, I've already really liked her, but this chapter, her, like, talking back to Natasha, being like, yeah, I know you would have killed him, but, like, you, you're you wrong, and this kid is fucking great, is just, ugh. Yeah. She says she's doing a bad job, but she's doing a great job. That's what I have to say. No, she's doing an excellent job, and actually, I did, like, have to copy and paste the line where she's like... It wasn't supposed to be me, Natasha, telling this boy how to make his way in the world. I'm no good at this. And it's like, I understand that feeling, but you're doing a great, yeah, you're doing a great job, even if you are a sad, disaster bisexual right now. Yeah. You know? She is. She's like, she's exactly what he needs, you know, not in terms of like parental love or whatever, but in terms of a grown adult who knows everything about him both that he is a vampire and that he's queer and is like i'm here for you and i accept you and i love you and like we'll talk openly about it with him is just great i'm so glad that he has her yeah and i think it also and i mean i never talked about this before but like a lot of what we're getting from fiona like her sad dirt bagginess is just from her like overwhelming grief and the fact that, like, Bess has worked so hard to, like, sort of follow in the rest of his family's footsteps of being like, oh, this hasn't really affected me. You know, mm. the fact that my, my mother is dead. But Fiona's, like, living with that grief. And, like, I'm also sure the grief about, like, you know, Nicodemus, too, and, like, all other grief in her life. There is no hiding it. She is mired in it. Right. That's okay. And I also just feel like for... You know, for Baz, it's just good to have someone else who's like, yeah, like my grief is this yearning, unending chasm of grief. You know, I'm not trying to fucking pretend this doesn't exist or gloss over it or anything, you know? Right. And I think that's also important to have that shared emotional, like, I see you kind of deal. Totally. 
That segues really nicely into something I want to say about Baz, but are you done with? Uh, I have one very silly thing about Fiona we can talk about after we get into the thing with Baz, if you want. No, go for it. Let's finish with Fiona first. Uh, uh, Simon didn't, uh, couldn't identify any of the posters on Fiona's wall, but I was like, what po- what posters would she have? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, obviously the Sex Pistols, the Rolling Stones, the Clash, probably the Cure if there's like someone wearing eyeliner, maybe the Smiths. I don't know. But I like really couldn't imagine who from the 90s she would have on her wall. Early 90s, right? So, I don't know, Stone Temple Pilots? Because I'm like, there weren't really like rock stars in the 90s unless they were, unless it was like alt rock or grunge, you know? Right. So. But I feel like there's definitely pictures of, uh, the lead singer from STP and also of like Kurt Cobain wearing eyeliner. If like eyeliner is our litmus, I think she would have just been choosing her posters carefully. I feel a little bit like STP feels very Fiona. Totally. (laughs) As someone who is walking around singing STP like moments before this recording today. (laughs) I mean, I also love such a they're they're great. Uh, yeah. That, uh, so I'm glad we could have this fun segue about music Fiona definitely listened to. I just love her so much. I know. <laughs> Me too. <sighs> yeah, everything about her is just like chef's kiss, and there's the way that she's written, and this chapter is just so good. Yeah, she's an amazingly well fleshed out character for someone who is such a like side character. Yeah. I hope that we get more of her in future books. That would be nice. Um, in in sadder news or whatever, the one thing that I had about Baz here is that his description, like the final description that he gives about why he's dead, is that he looks at other people and they seem far away and like different like when you look at a bird and they feel different from you and like there's no connection and whatever and he's just describing depression and I don't think it actually has anything to do with him being a vampire and I don't know it just left me with a sense of I really really hope that someday Baz experiences not being depressed and puts it together that that feeling never was about him being a vampire you know yeah and I think it is I think it's hard because I feel like sometimes like having mental health issues at least for me there's definitely been times in life where I'm just like feeling like a unfeeling monster and then it's like oh no that's just fucking depression but I'm also mm-hmm. like but Baz is getting all of this propaganda from the world of mages that it's like oh well uh vampires are in fact unfeeling dead evil soulless monsters so mm-hmm. that that thing you're feeling is about being a vampire it's like no it's just tra- it's just trauma and depression yeah just need therapy and meds this is a solvable mm-hmm. this is a solvable issue my sad my sad boy yeah Um, Okay, so the last thing that I had here is just that this chapter contains the origin of me asking that we read Ev as trans, wherein Simon recognizes Nico in the yearbook because he looks essentially identical to Ebb, but like in harsher lines or whatever, whatever he says. Mm -hmm. And... I want to clarify that that is not me saying that to be like, Eb looks like a man. That is not even remotely what I mean. It's to say that it makes me think that they're not fraternal twins because fraternal twins don't like look exactly like each other any more than any other two siblings do. And I feel like, you know, for most people, if you saw a picture of someone's sibling and didn't know it was their sibling, you wouldn't be like, oh, that looks exactly like my friend, you know? Yeah. I am also on on this train with you. So. Cool. Do you have a, a thing, another thing that you want to add? No. 
okay. I couldn't tell if that was like a, a yes, but or a yes. And or sorry, a, I, I was, I actually was just only going to say that like, yeah, the only, the, the thing that Simon tells us that he can tell who Nicodemus is and who Eb is, is that Nicodemus is like thinner and like more gaunt essentially. So yeah, he, he says red boned, which I had to look up. Cause I'm just like the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Rob, raw boned. Thank you. I had to look, I had to look up raw bone because I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah, what does it mean? I just sort of was like, that's a weird thing to say. Um, it basically means like gaunt, essentially. Okay. So maybe Nicodemus is like, I'm too busy to eat or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I get big spike vibes off of. Oh, yeah. The cheekbone line was like. I'm I'm seeing yeah. your love of Buffy there, Miss Miss yeah. Miss Rowell. Uh, there's also another another bit that we'll talk about in politics. Uh, cool. I'm like, oh, oh, really? Uh huh. See, I see where you've lifted that. <laughs> and Nicodemus is blonde, and I'm like, I know. Yeah, and punk. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 totally here for it. I love it. So. Yeah, I'm actually like, how is this the first time that I've realized that? Nico is Spike, or that Spike is Nico, or whatever. <laughs> I, That's I, wild. I think I wouldn't have put it together until I read the line about the bit about them both being blonde, and then the bit about whatever Simon says about his cheekbones, his cliffs edge cheekbones, cliffs edge cheekbones. Which, for anyone who has watched Buffy, is an excellent description of young James Marster's cheekbones. <laughs> Probably one of his finest physical details. I don't know. He's got a lot of good ones. <laughs> he ha- he has a lot of good ones. The cheek. I feel like for me, the cheekbones are up there because you're just like, how are your cheekbones so sharp? I know. I remember at some point my mom like coming in the room when I was watching Buffy and being like, those have to be implants. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, like just how how is how is James Marshall's face so handsome? I just am like how how how. I know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and it's like you know Fiona, we get it, we get why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was lovely. Now let's go talk about politics. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. I don't actually have anything here, so this is all you. All right. I just want to reiterate how much I hate the in-world treatment of vampires. Baz presumably has an excellent, well-stocked, doesn't give a fuck about if it's forbidden, quote-unquote, knowledge or not, library. And the books, the the information on vampires is 110% inaccurate. It's just like, oh, they're evil and eat babies. And it's like, what? Yeah. Has no one, like, asked, interacted with a vampire besides to murder them? Are you fucking kidding me? I know. It is atrocious, and it makes me very angry. I'd like to reiterate my, my call for someone to go do some anthropology with the vampires i think baz should grow up to be a like non-human magical creature anthropologist that should be his job once he learns some kinder social skills and less judgmentalness i'm about to say in, uh, an, an ambassador between the vampires and the mages actually i feel like he should keep his social skills to be like fuck bigoted people who are like vampires are dead evil creatures and it's like cool because uh people who are quote-unquote alive and have quote-unquote souls are really doing well exhibit, right. exhibit right. one the fucking mage yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah also i just want to point out that since baz and simon have a bit of a conversation about whether vampires have souls i'm also like see your See your Buffy fandom showing Rainbow Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just felt bad to think about that Baz doesn't think he has a soul. It's like, you're a person. You're a whole-ass person. 
Like what? It is so like hashtag depression though. I don't that idea it just sits so deeply within me in terms of, you know, allegories for ways that I felt for like my whole life until I started taking meds when I was twenty eight, nine, way too recently. Yeah, I mean, that is like about when I started when I got an antidepressants. <laughs> Mostly because I didn't have healthcare because this country fucking sucks. Yeah. Anyway, that was the end of my political rant that vampires are in fact people. <laughs> vampires are people. Simon is correct. Yes. I wonder where I put that. Do you have Simon's like, obviously I'm correct that you have a soul anywhere? I don't, but we could talk about it now. We should talk about it. Yeah. We're on the subject. And That's it seems- true. Worth worth touching on. Simon is being a good ally by saying, by reminding Baz that uh, vampires have souls and that Baz himself has a soul. And his argument, like, Simon is not, you know, not great at words. That's like one of his character traits, but he really rocks it here, I feel like. Even just what Baz is like. It's death because you have to eat life to stay alive. And Simon's like, that's everyone. That's eating. And it's like, yeah. Like, (laughs) absolutely. That is 100% correct. Everyone gets anemia from, like, not eating red blood cells. Don't at me, vegans. I know you can get it other places. Chill out. But, like, (laughs) in a, like, you know... (laughs) fundamental level that's where we get our iron is from eating red meat that's not that's not that different yeah from like needing to eat the blood straight as opposed to like eating the meat you know yeah i mean uh vampire bats literally drink blood to live that's what they subsist on like they're an actual an actual animal no one is out here saying that vampire bats are evil that is just their evolutionary niche and like Vampires eating people is not necessarily inherently evil because vampires have to eat and exist. I mean, and they also, like, don't have to eat people. Yeah. Right? Or, like, murder people, I would imagine, you know? Right. There's a lot of things that I, like, want to eat that I know I, like, can't because of my particular body and I don't eat them. Baz has been more of a shouldn't situation, morally, but, like... It's still just a choice. Like, just because he, like, looks at people and is like, I want to have some blood, he can still just, like, go home and have a different kind of blood. Yeah. He could go, like, drink an entire deer or something. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that Simon is also correct that he should write a book on vampires because he appears to be the world's leading expert. (laughs) He's our anthropologist. He's been living among them. He is our anthropologist (laughs) and he is going about this with a lot of, with I think more care and consideration that I think a lot of probably IRL anthropologists go into their work about different kinds of people. I think they're a lot better these days than they they were back in the day. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I have done... Definitely done some work in feminist anthropology methodologies, which is like, yeah, don't fuck it up, <laughs> like, yeah, right. essentially. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, we, this world clearly needs people as compassionate and ethical as Simon, because it yes. seems to be that there is a lack of that. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. My only thing is just about what a giant, weeping, exposed wound the mage is. For canceling fucking yearbook and drama. Like, what part of his evil plan would be like, you know what we don't need? Fucking yearbook. What? It's not even like, what is happening? I know. No, that's like the mage is running this school like it's a underfunded public school for no fucking like for no fucking reason. Just because he's like fuck you, kids. fuck them kids. No one's getting drunk. Okay, and for wait. what? Did the mage canceled tuition, right? And did levied he? taxes. He yeah. Did. So like, 
maybe Watford is an underfunded public school. Huh. I'm flipping through my book like I'm going to find it that way. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but you don't think he's texting, he's texting the whatever old families, whatever they're calling it, like hella hard though. Uh, no, he, he is. Oh no, what if all the money for drama in yearbook he's just putting into his like fucking band of disillusioned young men to go hassle the fucking old families? Like, I mean, I just remember that Baz saying like, taxes for every fawn bastard and whatever to be able to af- attend Watford. So like Oh second, I'm using my ebook to search Yes, thank you. Alright. Banned books, banned phrases, rules about when we can meet and where. Taxes to cover all the mages' initiatives, most notably to pay every for every fawn bastard and centaur cousin and every pathetic excuse for a magician in the realm to att- to attend Watford. The realm of mages never had taxes before. They had standards instead. Yeah. So there is presumably money. But probably not the money they had when like all of the rich kids were paying tuition. Or if it is the same amount, that money is now also covering, you know, room and board and whatever for like additional kids. I'm not excusing this. The mage needs to like get his priorities straight. But at the very least, it makes me feel a little bit better to be like, maybe it really is like a money allocation. I bet that's what he's told everyone. It just seems like a move just to be fucking mean, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, because like, I mean, at public schools, you just have to buy your yearbook. So there really isn't like a monetary reason to not have yearbooks. Yeah. And you can you can have drama with like the most minimal budget. And these kids have magic you could just magic up all of the shit you would need for a drama club you know what you're right what is his fucking goal i don't i don't know maybe he just hates kids despite (laughs) working in a goddamn school yeah i mean agatha does say that i don't remember if it's happened yet but she's like why does he even want to be headmaster like i don't think he likes kids like there's like no reason in his grand scheme for them to have gotten rid of the yearbook and drama like none no he's just a just a pus filled wound that's all (laughs) gross jesse (laughs) uh yeah all right um my rant for anyone who hasn't listened to the gaily prophet this will be new to you is about how much i dislike the thing in writing where people do he comma father comma proceed with your statement choose one (laughs) someone actually uh, dm'd us on instagram i think like months ago now with like a picture of this line in their book being like i can't wait to hear lark rant about this (laughs) So, so it's here it's arrived um i honestly i at first i was like i don't know if i mind in this book because Baz is talking to us. So like, I don't mind when people do this when they're talking. We do it when we like say an ambiguous pronoun, realize it's ambiguous, correct ourselves, and then move on with the sentence. But when you're writing, if you write an ambiguous pronoun, you can just delete it and put in the proper noun instead. That's like a very simple fix. And so I don't understand why anyone ever does this in writing. Wait, which line is this? Father seems to think I have some dark plan at work. I guess I do have a dark plan, but this time it has nothing to do with disabling snow. He, father, pulled me aside after dinner and asked if I wanted him to call in the families for assistance. Okay. So part of it, too, is that, okay, Baz is talking, so it's a little more excusable, maybe. But not only... Could Baz have just said, father pulled me aside after dinner, if if Rainbow Rowell was worried about it being ambiguous. But also, if you left he in that statement, zero people would have read that sentence and thought it was about Simon. Yeah. Like, asked if I wanted him to call in the families for assistance. Like, that's clearly still talking about Baz's dad. So there's no excuse for this. Never do it in your writing. That's what I have to say. <laughs> I mean, obviously, everyone makes their own stylistic choices. I don't think I would ever make this choice just because I feel like the 
grammar slash punctuation around that makes me feel like, have I misused this dash? Is this too many commas in a sentence to be like he, comma, father, or whatever? And so I'm just kind of like... It, it looks clunky. It's very clunky. I do actually, Rainbow Rowley uses dashes. JK Rowling uses commas. I like dashes better, too. I think it flows better than the commas. But either way, it's just like, you realize that you're writing a sentence, right? Like, you can just you can just choose one. You're not actually talking. <laughs> I wonder if it's like a weird thing in like the elements of style or something. To be like, you're not supposed to use someone's like proper name more than once in a sentence. I feel like all of these people should just like write a non-binary character whose pronouns are they them. And then they'll get really used to it because you get really used to it (laughs) when you using the singular they things are ambiguous a lot more of the time. So you just learn to use people's names more often. And it's like not hard. And I think I think another thing that. I think I see more often in fan fiction than in like published literature, but actually still bothers me is that like sometimes people are like, oh, people are going to notice that I've just used this person's name like five times in a paragraph. So maybe I need to be like the student or like the detective or like whatever. And I actually find if someone is writing and as opposed to using someone's name or a pronoun, it's like the detective i'm like this is fucking annoying like this is taking me out of your writing because i'm annoyed that you have written this Uh (laughs) and so i I guess i just kind of wonder if it's like i think i'm doing a thing to like make the writing not monotonous for the reader or like as you said like less ambiguous but it's like i mean if you're reading you're like not that's not what you're paying attention to it's like people being like oh if i say like I said, or like they asked, it's going to be too noticeable. It's like, no, that's moving the, that's moving the writing along. I'm not paying attention <laughs> because it is moving me across the page into what's happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. So uh, if you're any writers out there, you don't have to do this. You could just write the sentence with a, just pick one, pick one, just pick one. Yeah. Ugh, cool. Do you have any other rants? I feel, I feel like ri- ranting about writings became my rant. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I don't have any other rants. Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, uh, our new segment where we talk about ways that you can support our work. We have one of these on The Gaily Prophet. Uh, Since we started this as a like temporary project, we didn't have this here but this is now a permanent project so we have to do we don't have to we just are we're putting it in it's just a thing that we're doing yes jesse's gonna start (laughs) uh yeah i mean we are 100 percent an independent queer media here in your ears so we do not have ad support giving us money so we rely on our beautiful dreamboat listeners but don't fear if you don't have any cash because capitalism is a scam and we're all underpaid because there are ways you can help us. Uh, You can rate and review this here podcast. Um, That helps people listen to our show. You can tell all of your friends to listen to this podcast and of course to read Carry On because it's an excellent series. So do you do both of those things? Mm -hmm. And if you are not taking a social media mental health care break, you can uh, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram under The Gaily Prophet, but we do post Simon Snow and Carry On related stuff. So you can go on there, you can like and share our posts. That would be super cool. And it'd be, it would definitely improve your day, I guarantee you. <laughs> yes. And every time uh, we get our weekly email with all of the new iTunes reviews that we've received that week it fills gives my heart a flutter to read your wonderful words so you're also just like emotionally helping us by doing these things. yeah it's like one of the highlights of my week is being like oh people are moved by the podcast uh-huh exactly um if you do want to financially support us there are also several ways that you can do that so you can join our patreon if you want to do a monthly thing 
Our patrons get all of the episodes of this podcast both early and with bonus content. Uh, You also get access to our Buffy podcast and lots of other really cool things that we do. You can buy our merch, which now includes a lot of carry-on themed things, which is really exciting. And also, you can make a donation. There's a donate button on our website, and we're also on both Venmo and PayPal under The Gaily Profit. Uh, so all of those things can be found patreon.com slash thegailyprofit, thegailyprofit.com. So, you know, but I think best of all, support us by continuing to listen and being the best because, yeah, you're all great. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Listen. (laughs) I'm listening. (laughs) Great. In the House of Fucking Pitch is the name of the snow bass porn. I could use the word fucking in an episode title things would get real risque with the episode art for this one but um i can't itunes will take it down so. even even if it's just stars uh, symbols, i i think fair. i might be too close i might be able to do like some stand-in word like friggin or something but that does not sound very sexy that's fair that's fair <laughs> uh, yeah what do you have first I just want to point out that, I mean, not that Baz is really a villain. He tries. (laughs) But I think there's a bit where he's, like, sneering at Simon. And I just, like, you know, sneering sneering villains are very hot. That's all. Mm -hmm. I'm just, like, Simon, you should be more appreciative of that. (laughs) (laughs) He he is. Even if he's not telling us, we know Mm -hmm. that he is. Mm -hmm. He can't wait to slap that sneer right off of Baz's face. (laughs) Ha-ha! And Baz can't wait for that either. We get this very loving description of Baz's jeans. <laughs> we sure do. It's great. Expensive, dark, tight, you know? I had to, to you know, look, look that up while I was figuring out what kind of jeans model I was looking for for the episode art for last week. And then just like looking at butts for half an hour. For work because I'm a dedicated <laughs> artist and I was like thank you Simon for giving me these very specific <laughs> parameters of what kind of jeans Baz is wearing that is uh it is very pretty detailed actually and they sound hot yeah I can very clearly envision what kind of jeans these are uh my other thing is actually a paragraph above this section Ooh. where I mean Simon cannot get his mind off of Baz wearing jeans. (laughs) And he's like, you know, I always imagine Baz lounging around in suits and waistcoats with like silk scarves hanging around his neck. And so Simon has a suit kink, apparently, which (laughs) same, (laughs) same bro, same. It will not come up until many years into our Buffy podcast. But like Giles's tweet is definitely one of the things that deeply appreciate his about his character and mm-hmm. like people in good suits i'm just like really about that life and then bass shows up in fiona's chapter wearing an attractive expensive suit <laughs> so expensive i looked up that company holy shit yeah i looked i looked it up too i'm like i'm like oh this is expensive and like oh yeah here are rich actors actually wearing these to the bath awards and i'm like Yeah, it's like so expensive that there's like not prices on the website. That's when you can tell that something is like real, real expensive. It's like if you even have the audacity to ask, you are too poor to afford this. It's like, what do you you mean? How much do you want to make an appointment for a fitting or not? (laughs) Uh, Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here for a suit. 
people yeah. looking attractive in a suit. I like long for the days when when everyone just like was fancy by default. Like if I if I had a choice, Evan would go to work to build houses in like you know, 1920s work clothes, which was still like a button down vest and a button down shirt, but like, you know, raw cotton with the sleeves rolled up and like a cute cap. He does wear a cute cap. I'm like, where's your work vest, sir? I don't understand. What are you doing in this t-shirt? Why? (laughs) We all just need to be so much fancier again. I I don't know. I kind of wonder about that. Okay, so they... uh... 19 the 1919 flu obviously similar pandemic vibes to what we have now also right after that the fucking roaring 20s so i'm really hoping that once the u.s is as clear of pandemic life as we're gonna get because this country is trash and it doesn't care about people at all that everyone's gonna be like i spent two years plus in my pajamas every day i want to go out looking cute and fancy Cause I, I mean, even I'm like, I really love sweatpants, but like, I cannot wait to go out and something looking so cute. That's not sweatpants. I know. So, <laughs> and I've been like dying to get fitted for a suit forever. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Whenever we get out of the shit is the time. Ooh, that's a great idea. Anyway. Yeah. So I hope I'm really hoping for a casual fanciness 2023 or whatever the fuck year we end up being I'm able hoping to like for that too. That. Maybe for the first time in my life, I won't be overdressed everywhere that I go. <laughs> That'd be so rad. Uh, um. Okay. Simon really loves how his pillow smells like baths. He sure does. I really like that Simon really likes that his pillow smells like baths. <laughs> it is very cute. It's like He's Aww. like smelling baths and listening to him breathe. And he's like, oh, I'm sleeping so well. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's like just started dating vibes where you're like, oh, my bed still smells like them. Yes. It is very cute. And I'm just it's like, so cute. oh, Simon. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else here? No, I don't. <laughs> Great. I have a new game for you. All right, I'm here. I'm here All for right. it. This is my, here's my proposition, proposal, whatever, is that this becomes a like every episode thing and we trade off. It's called Kiss, Kill, Improvise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Great. Yes. Um, anyone who didn't like read the chapter right before listening, it's because Baz says that he wants to like knock Simon down and then kiss him, kill him, or improvise. So it's a variation on fuck, marry, kill. This time, obviously, I'm going to give you three options. Okay. Next time, you will give me three options, assuming that we remember to make this happen. I'm, put- I'm, putting-, I'm putting it in my note template so we will not forget. Oh, great. Okay. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Boring. All right, here are your here are your people. Okay, this is a <coughs> mommy edition just for you. <sighs> your choices are Daphne Grimm, Fiona Pitch, and Natasha Grimm Pitch. Mm. Wow, this is hard. I know. I'm sorry. <sighs> All right, I think I'm gonna have to go for kissing Natasha Natasha Pitch, and improvising with Fiona because it really could go any kind of way <laughs> with Fiona and I'm like here for that and which makes this kill very hard but Natasha's already dead she could she could she would she would deserve being alive in some <laughs> parallel <laughs> Daphne gets the the short end of the stick just by being a boring background character <laughs> unfortunately she does it's, it's totally fair also profoundly outshone by her competitors and also unfortunately yes yeah great this has been kiss kill improvise (laughs) is this just fantasy Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. What you got? You know, I actually don't have much this episode. 
But we do learn more about vampires in this world. Mm-hmm. And what mages don't know, which <laughs> is a lot. Apparently. So much. <laughs> uh, but we do know that vampires are stronger, have better senses, and do not get sick, which is cool. Potentially may or may not be immortal, question mark. I think Baz is right. Probably not immortal. The fact that he gets, is like aging, you know? Right. Means that like, you're probably not immortal. Right. So maybe you just age super slowly, but like, yeah. And of course the debate about souls, which we're not going to debate. Clearly Baz has a soul. So. Yeah. If souls are a thing, Baz has one. Yeah. If souls are a thing, he has one and... Per the mage, you can have a soul and still do terrible fucked up shit, so. Yes. (laughs) Right, so even if he didn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, Yes, basically. Yeah, the only thing I had besides that was just a little bit more about being stricken from the book. I want to hear your thoughts, but I think that if they had looked at Natasha's yearbook without Simon having talked to Eb and learned who Nico was... That they would not have found him in the yearbook. Huh. Interesting. You're probably right. It's more fun if I'm right. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do like that we never get a sense of whatever the book is. But that, like, it is clearly illegal to ever, like, mention Nicodemus's name. And, like, there probably is literal magic around that. Even Eb's like, I'm not even going to say it because, like, because presumably something bad's going to happen if you do. Right. And especially with, if you have, if your magic system is so, so, so built around words. Yeah. And I mean, you know, names always have power as we see in every fairy tale and so many fairy tales and myths. We could presume that something bad would happen. But I, no, I think you're right. Like, they wouldn't have been able to... Wait a minute. Hold on a second. They're still using his name, though. And I think bad is happening. Maybe people will assume that something bad will happen. So I think it, I think I said in the last episode, I feel like it's kind of like the secret caper spell. Like, Eb has the name. They buried his name, but, like, Natasha let her keep the letters. And she showed it to Simon. So, like, now Simon has that and, like, he can share it with other people. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's, I mean, Eb refers to him as Nikki and stuff like that. Like, she uses his name. But I think that she basically, like, gave Simon the key to being able to, like, actually, like, perceive Nicodemus, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then he can give that to Baz and to Penny. So, like, I guess if Simon had had that information, but Baz hadn't, and they looked at it together, I feel like what I'm imagining is, like, in the episode of Buffy where she does the like magic drug spell that makes her realize that Dawn is is not real and she's looking at the photographs and Dawn is like phasing in and out Mm. it's like the picture of Fiona would still be there but like Nico would be absent and like maybe someone else would be there in his place or whatever and like the the words would be different Mm -hmm. and it would just be basically an illusion because I just don't know in order to do something like make it illegal for anyone to talk about him you have to like send out a memo or (laughs) you know have a big meeting and all of that leaves a paper trail essentially Mm. and that doesn't seem practical on the scale like i feel like it has to be more magic than just telling people you're not allowed to talk about him yeah no i think you're right and i think also along those lines that of course, Natasha would allow Fiona to keep Nikki's name also. And like her yearbook full with photos of him in it. I, I sort of wondered. I feel like it's not the case because it seems like she has been keeping tabs on him. But there's this line where she says like the anger about it like comes flooding back. And I was like, did Baz basically if he's been unlocked via simon who's been unlocked via ebb did baz say like bringing it up with fiona like make her able to remember Hmm. nico and like maybe she couldn't before or she could but like she was literally like tongue-tie spell or something like that you know like the fidelius charm so she just like couldn't speak it Mm -hmm. that'd be fucked up but probable yeah I think I think both both of those options are 
are possible. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I hope that this is like really cool, intense magic and not just like as simple as someone was like, you're not allowed to talk about this, dude. (laughs) Yeah, which is like, yeah, like that wouldn't work. Right. (laughs) It wouldn't. Everyone would talk about it. Right. Eb's theory that everyone is like secretly talking behind her back would totally be true if it was not a more intense level of magic. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time, we will be reading chapters 57 through 59. Escape from Reality is a creation of hashtag Ruthless Productions and is produced, mixed, and edited by me. If you like this podcast and you're a Harry Potter fan or former fan, you should check out uh, The Gaily Prophet, our Harry Potter podcast. You can find us on... Instagram and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. Um, you can also check us out on our website, thegailyprophet.com. You can find me on the internet on Instagram at Lark Malachi, which is L A R K M A L A K A I, or on my website, which is larkmalachi.com, which is where you can book a tarot reading with me. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Alive from Detroit, or you can follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod, and the rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Until next time. Scatamoosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's our best one yet. <laughs>